Job chapter 1, verse 8. And the Bible says, Then the Lord said to Satan, Satan was allowed to come before the Lord at this particular time. And God said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? Have you considered my servant Job? How would you like for God to say to Satan about you? Have you considered uh, Bill down there? Have you considered Sue or Sally or Maria? Have you considered them? Well, this is what he said about Job. And of course, God, knowing all things, knew what was going to be the outcome of this. But you and I have been greatly blessed by this story of Job. I don't care what kind of week you've had. You can sit down and start reading Job, and by the second chapter, you should be feeling better about your life, all right? So the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, none like him on the whole earth, a blameless man, an upright man, one who fears God, and that simply reverences God to the point that he shuns evil. So he fears God and he shuns evil, devil. And then the devil says back to him, almost in a challenging way, I, I think, almost as in a betting way, I, I bet you something, God. So Satan answers the Lord and said, does Job, does Job fear God for nothing? In other words, uh, He's not serving you just for no reason. He's serving you because, uh, look at him, God, because of what he has, his blessings on his life. And then he says, have you not made a hedge around him? Have you not made a hedge around Job, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now, God, you stretch out your hand, touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. Oh, boy, what a challenge that was. So, God says, all that he has is in your hands. Job thinks that, uh, or Satan thinks that Job is serving God for a particular reason, the blessings of God. And so I think it's a good place to ask our own selves, why are we serving God? Why are we serving him? I trust and pray for every one of us. It's because he redeemed us by the blood of the lamb. He took us out of darkness, brought us into his glorious light, and we are forever thankful. I am certainly not serving God for what I can get from God. I am serving God, and I know you feel the same. You're serving God because he saved your soul, and uh, you are forever thankful for it. Say amen. All right. So as a result of that, the first day I got saved on a Tuesday afternoon, what I didn't realize was when I bowed my knee before God and asked Christ to forgive me of, uh, at 19 of all my sins, uh, at that point, the blood of Jesus Christ shed on Calvary, covered every one of my sins, washed them all away as far as the east is from the west. Some of them, it says he washed them to the depths of the bottom of the sea, never to be remembered against me again. 
And on that Tuesday afternoon, I got up from that little old country church, walked out with a hedge around my life. I mean, literally, I didn't know it. It was a secret to me, but a hedge around my life. Angels standing around me. I got in my Camaro. They got in my Camaro. All right, so I didn't see them. It was a secret to me, but just as sure as I got in, they got in because a hedge was around my life. And guess what? A hedge was around your life also. And still this day, you are walking with a hedge around your life. Uh, and I believe, I'll go ahead and tell you now, I believe it is an angel or more angels surrounding you. And anytime the old enemy tries to get to you, there's an angel standing there that they cannot get past. Thank God. Now, let me, let me tell you, even Christ said in John chapter 10, I think it's 14, he said, the devil is coming or Satan is coming to me and he will find nothing in me. There is nothing in my life that he can get a hold of or put a claim on in my life. And so this is what I want to challenge you with today. We don't want to do anything that the enemy is going to have a claim on in our lives. And we'll get that toward the end. But there are people, unfortunately, that God has provided this incredible angelic hedge, this uh, protection, this blessing from God over our lives. Uh, and it is diminished because the enemy can claim something in our lives. So, we're going to get to that, but not now. All right, this hedge was real in Job's life. How do we know? Satan had tried to get to him. Satan had tested him. He had gone to every angle to try to get to it, to his kids, to his wife, to uh, his prosperity, but was unable to do so. And why was he trying uh, to come against Job? Maybe it was because Christ said, or the word says, that he was the richest man in all the land. The truth is, Job could have been the richest man in all the world at that point. The Bible says he had 7,000 sheep. Look, I've never been around sheep, but that's a lot of, bah, I'm telling you, 7,000 sheep. I mean, that'd drive you crazy just being around 7,000 of that. And then he had 3,000 camels. Can you imagine trying to water 10,000 camels? They drink gallons of water when they uh, go to drink after they uh, expend it all or the reservoir in their bodies. All right, 500 yoke of uh, oxen and 500 donkeys. It just goes on and on. This was a rich dude. And he also honored God. So when you get anybody that has a lot of wealth, people know about it. People knew far and wide who uh, Job was. They knew that he was a wealthy man. And they also knew and had heard uh, that he reverenced God, that he was a godly man. So he had influence on people's lives because of his wealth and because he honored God. So for that reason, I believe alone, Satan did everything he could to get to him. But just because you don't have wealth 
doesn't mean that he's not after you also. But the good news is he's not getting you either. And by the grace of God. Now, well, a hedge, what is it? In the Hebrew, it means shield or wall. It's like a shield around you. It's like a wall around you. The Hebrew word for shield means to cover you. This anointing, this angelic presence, this shield, this hedge, it covers you. It surrounds you, the meaning of it. And it defends you. It is a place of covering, protection, and blessing in your life. And that's exactly what God wants to do in every one of our lives to walk uh, knowing there's a hedge around our lives. You do not have to be afraid of this virus in Jesus' name. And so if for whatever reason, and listen, uh, that doesn't mean that if you want to wear a mask, that's not a sign of disbelief or unbelief. Don't think that, all right? But uh, those of you with a mask, don't judge somebody that's not wearing it. And those of you not wearing it, don't dare judge somebody who is. We don't judge people in that way. I said, we don't judge people in that way, all right? So we don't mock people. We don't make fun of people. No. Dear Lord, have mercy. I tried to wear one after the first service. The crazy thing started, kept falling off my nose. I, I couldn't, uh, I need a bigger nose, I guess, to hold it up. But anyway, or a different mask, one or the other. Job chapter 1, verse 5. Here it is. So it was when the days of feasting had run their course, the children, seven sons, three daughters, they feasted a lot. This is so indicative of children who grow up in great wealth. They, uh, they don't appreciate it typically to the extent the parents did that, that to help to bring that wealth up, uh, around or uh, into being. So they, uh, there's a lot of feasting going on here. I'm not putting them down, I'm just stating a fact. All right? So uh, Job would send and sanctify them. Job would send and sanctify his children. And he would rise up early in the morning and offer a burnt sacrifice or offering according to the number of them. So he would offer up 10 burnt offerings. What is a burnt offering? It is an offering of a sacrifice of an animal, shedding of the blood that would turn away the wrath of God. In other words, sin uh, has to incur the wrath of God because God is holy. So sin coming near God, would sin would incur or whoever would incur the wrath of God. So a burnt offering turned away the wrath of God. This he did according to the number of them. And Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their heart. So I'm going to offer this burnt offering so that the wrath of God would be turned away from my sons. This Job did regularly. Uh, dads, uh, let me say to you, it is certainly, as Job did, it is certainly our obligation to pray for our children, our grandchildren. Uh, Josh, my son and daughter-in-law, were just here with their five children under the age of nine. Pray for Alice and I. For recovery. Thank God tomorrow is on Labor Day. All right, so I thank God uh, for it. But uh, 
So it's exciting. It's, uh, it's interesting. Last Saturday, I was cooking breakfast for five munskins. All right, whatever you want. Here you go. All right. So anyway, but I pray for them on a regular basis. Um, Alice prays for them. They're on their way back today. And um, usually in the morning, I'll, I'll start praying. I'll pray for Alice. And then I'll pray for Kevin and Danielle and Cassie and Carly and Yesterday, the twins had their 12th birthday, but Canada is closed, so we couldn't go. And uh, then Josh and Mandy and Easton, Tinley, Truett, Everly, and Tatum. Wow, that's a handful, a mouthful. And uh, then uh, Mark and Carla and, and Reagan and Reed. And so I pray through all these names usually in the morning that God would keep his hand upon them and God would protect them. God's will would be done in their lives. And this Job did regularly. And as a result of that, uh, this blood sacrifice turned away the wrath of God against any wrong in their lives. Now, I know you're saying, well, they died. Let me tell you, don't fall trapped to the exceptions uh, of normalcy, all right? There are things that, that God hap or happens, and we are not to get caught up with those. Uh, we're to be caught up with the promises of God, and those things we don't understand, we just say there's something better than understanding all bad things, and that is trusting in God when we don't understand the bad things. So we trust Him anyway. Well, the word sanctify means to declare holy, means to be set apart, to purify, free from sin, made acceptable. Hebrews chapter 9, 22. And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Well, remission is simply the cancellation of a debt. Cancellation of a debt. So, how many of you in this building... Um, you have zero debt in your life. Everything you have is paid for you, no debt whatsoever. Anybody here? We're going to applaud all three of you right now. All right, so I applaud you, yes. How many of you have a little debt? How many of you just have a lot? You're praying for Jesus to come back. Okay, you know he's going to send you back down here to pay that off. I'm just kidding. All right, now maybe those of you that just raised your hand and said you had no debt, maybe you should find somebody who's deeply in debt, pay their debt off. See, that's their problem. They're excited about somebody else paying it off and not themselves. That's their problem, I'm telling you. You pay it off, no, we're not suggesting that because then they'll just run it up again. You need the discipline of paying it off so you won't run it up again. But what if somebody did? Just pay all your debt off. And you, I mean, you would certainly be thankful. You would be filled with praise. I can't thank you enough. And you go on and on. Well, something greater happened in your life. When you were born again, Jesus paid a debt you could not pay. And he wiped away all sin against your life. Oh, thank God. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 12 says this. Therefore, Jesus, Jesus also that he might sanctify, free us from sin, set us apart, make us acceptable, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, 
suffered outside the gate. Thank God forever. Well, I said earlier, I believe this hedge is, uh, certainly involves angels also around our lives, God's protection, God's blessing, the Spirit of God within us. But yes, I believe angels around to guard against whatever and so we see this uh, as an absolute incredible thing. I, I want you to understand today, and even if there's some wrong in your right, uh, life, you're going to get it right So today before you leave. And you're going to walk out of this place, walk into the parking lot knowing you got an angel. Saying, I mean, he's right there in front of you. Nothing's going to happen to you. You claim it. You, do, you confess it. Don't you dare confess negative over your life. You claim, I walk under the blessing of God. I walk under the protection of God. I walk under the anointing of God. And I walk under the hedge of God. Now, it's not a thorn hedge. No, it's it's an angelic divine hedge around your life. Psalm 34 verse 7 says this, The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him, fear God, reverence God, which causes them to love God so much they shun sin. Let me read it again. The angel of the Lord encamps around you. All those who fear God, and delivers them, delivers them. Praise God forever. Now, Christians generally know what they should do. They know they should read the Bible. They know they should pray. They know they should give. They don't always do these things, but they know they should. They know they should disciple people, win the loss. There's a lot of things Christians know they should do. But sometimes, and many fall into this problem, some Christians don't fully understand the magnitude of what can happen when they don't forgive. Now, when I said earlier in John 10 and 14, Jesus said, Satan comes and he finds nothing in me. He finds nothing in me of him. Nothing in me of him. Nothing that he can associate with himself. But unforgiveness is something the enemy associates with himself. Now, listen to me. You, some of you, have been hurt more deeply than I could ever even imagine. Some of you have suffered such pain, such loss. This morning, such a beautiful sight. Someone had invited a family, a young family with two small kids, and a man, he was a big guy, big guy. First time walked in, God touched his heart. And when he came up outside afterwards, literally broke down in tears and weeping at what God did in his heart in that first service, especially in regard to forgiveness. And I didn't ask him what it was about. I just saw the results and the aftermath of what he let God do in his heart. But for some of you, you've had all kind of tragedy in your life. Maybe some of you, your siblings slipped in and stole the inheritance. Whew, it's been 20 years and you still haven't talked to them. 
They took it all. How horrible. And it is horrible. I agree. It's horrible. But it's more horrible for you to be 20 years later still with that stuck in your system and your spirit and still you walking in such a way that you're not walking in the blessing of God like you should be walking. Some of you, yes, had them take it away, all of it. Ripped you off, a business partner, ripped you off of thousands and thousands and thousands. One man this morning told me, said, I, lo I loaned a pastor $15,000. And I'm like, you did what? That's the last person you should have, you know, loan. You loaned a pastor. Oh, my God, I'm a pastor. That hurts. And so anyway, first of all, I'm not going to borrow $15,000 from somebody in the church. And that's, that wasn't here, okay, obviously. And if it was one of our associates, guess what? Next week, deduct, out of paycheck, all right? Deduct, next week, deduct. Going to pay that guy back. And so uh, anyway, you've been done wrong. That 15000 still isn't, hasn't been paid back and no mention of it. So we prayed, God touched that pastor's heart. May he come to a place he can pay it off. Uh, and he's already forgiven him, though. He's forgiven him. Fifteen grand. You've loaned people money. And they've avoided you. And you're, every time you see them or every time someone says something good about them, you're like, Bleh. And then you say, let me tell you something. And then there's that horror of horrors for you men and you women, mostly women, that suffered sexual abuse as a child or older. I can think of almost nothing more hideous and harmful and terrible. But... If you have not forgiven that person, I plead with you before you leave this auditorium to forgive them. I plead with you not to walk out of this building because that is impacting your life. See, if you want to walk in under the, and behind the hedge and the covering of God, if you want to walk in all that God has for you and the great blessing he intends for you, You've got to forgive even the most monstrous act against you. You've got to forgive. And also, some of you need to forgive yourself. Yeah, you need to forgive yourself. There was a person years ago, years and years ago, they were already dead. I had to forgive them. You say, that doesn't make sense. I just needed to forgive them, all right? I just needed to say it with my mouth. I forgive them, Lord. I hope they're with you. But I forgive them. I don't want that stuff in my life. And maybe some of you, you're the transgressor. And you have never gone to someone you have transgressed against and asked their forgiveness. Maybe it just happened that you're the pastor that borrowed the 15000 and you slipped in today. Oh, my Lord. I'm excited. Anyway, wouldn't that be wonderful? That would be the grace of God on your life. And some of you are sitting here and, oh, my God, I borrowed $15 last week and I hadn't paid it back. I, 
I'm going to get it back to them today. Well, you better. I can tell you right now. Somebody loaned or borrowed 50 cents from me in the fifth grade. They still haven't given it back. I'm just telling you. And I want you to know I hadn't forgot it either. I've forgiven him. I've forgiven Ronnie Mooneyham. I forgave you, Ronnie. I've forgiven him, but I hadn't forgot it. But the good news is I can remember it forgiven. That's my memory. I tack on forgiveness to my memory. Ronnie, you're forgiven. And you can do the same. They may never pay you back. They may never pay you back. But you can forgive them. And the one that did you the most harm, you can forgive them. Why? Because you don't want them to have a negative impact on your life. And furthermore, why should you forgive Matthew chapter 6, verse 14? says this, Jesus said this. After the model prayer, the Lord's prayer, he said, for if, if, conditional, if you choose to forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. What a powerful statement. And then he goes on, but if, conditional, you do not forgive men, their trespasses, neither, neither, neither will your father forgive you your trespasses. How many of you want your trespasses forgiven? Absolutely, positively. That's why today you're going to choose to forgive others who have trans trespassed against you. You're going to forgive yourself. You're going to make a decision. Even if you sexually abuse somebody, and it may bring serious consequences. You go to them and ask forgiveness. Why? Because Christ says to us, he wants us to walk under God's forgiveness. And in order to do that, we've got to forgive. Secondly, Christians, how they hinder that hedge is they simply don't have a repentant heart. When I first was born again, I didn't know this. I wasn't taught this, that I should... If I did anything wrong, I should immediately ask God's forgiveness. I didn't know. And so I didn't. And, and it got to the place where I was like, I'd come to God and I'd say, God, forgive me. Lord, I promise you, if, I, if you forgive me, I'll never do it again. Now, did I sin after I came to Christ? Yes, I was 19. And I sinned. I, I didn't sin big sins like some of you, but I, I did sin. Um, some of you are just whopper of a sins, all right? Mine was just little sins, but they're all sins, but yours are bigger. Anyway, and so I'd come to God and say, forgive me, I'll never do it again. And then what would happen? I'd do it again. And uh, then I, I, I'd feel so embarrassed because I already told God that I wouldn't do it again. And I'd put it off. I'd put it off sometime a week or two and then feel so miserable. I'd fall on my face begging God to forgive me. Finally, I learned if I did something wrong, I'm simply to come to God and say, God, forgive me. Forgive me, O oh Lord, and go on. You say, Pastor, that's too simple. You, you, you should suffer somewhat. Or it just seems too simple. No, I'm telling you, God's forgiveness is so powerful, so instantaneously, that you can walk in here. You have committed some grievous sin. 
You say, God, I repent. God, forgive me. God forgives you, washes it away. Just like Job, when he offered those burnt sacrifices, it turned away the wrath of God. When you ask forgiveness of God, it turns away any wrath of God over your life. You get the hedge restored. Say amen. Absolutely, get the hedge restored. Finally, finally, everything was gone, and now the enemy asks for his body, for sickness, and God says, do whatever you want, but don't take his life. See, Satan thought that Job, if he took all of his wealth, he thought that Job would curse God and die. Let me tell you, it's pretty hard to come from wealth and then end up poor. But Job, even though he had great wealth, the most, uh, the biggest ranch in town, the richest man in the area, and now it's all gone. And yet he chooses, God, I'm, I'm not serving you because of what I had. I'm serving you because I love you and I honor you. And so then the devil says, well, I'll tell you what, God, if you allow sickness into his body. You break his body or allow me to break his body and he'll curse you. But Job did not curse him even after his body was broken. And then of all things, make sure you've got good friends. These three jokers show up in Job's life. His friends sit down and instead of weeping with him and falling on their face before Job, uh, Joe, we need to talk to you. Here he is scraping boils from his body with broken pottery. He's covered in boils, and some think it's the kind of boils that literally worms would be in from his top of his head to the bottom of his feet. He couldn't even lie down on his side. They were everywhere, and he's scraping his body, and they're over there. Joe, we need, we need to talk to you. You got some problems. And one of them says, I think this is pride, Job. The second one said, well, the reason I think you're going through all this is because you didn't spread the wealth around. You could have given me some of those sheep, uh, but no, you kept them all for yourself. Then the third one said, I know what the problem is, Job. I think you have sin in your life. Now, let me tell you, everybody needs friends at a difficult time, but you don't need friends like this. Even though they thought they were trying to help, they thought they were going to help him. If he just admit his secret sin, they thought he'd be okay. But that wasn't the problem either. He was setting a standard of testimony for you and I that he did not know about and was not aware of. We need to be very careful what we say at a difficult time in somebody's life. One of the most sensitive times, I guess, is when people are you know, we're at a funeral and a loved one has died. You need to really watch what you say. And, and I know it's difficult. You, we all want to say something, but it's better not to say anything than to say the wrong thing. If a parent's there and a baby, they have love for days or months or even two or three years and it passes away. No, we don't come up and say, you know, God just needs another angel in heaven. What? God's got all the angels he needs in heaven, all right? So now they're just trying to help. But 
it's the implication is God needed him, so he came down here and took him because you don't really need him as much as God needs him. How silly. First of all, God doesn't kill babies. God doesn't kill anybody. We live in a sin-sick world, fallen by the sin of mankind. And as a result of that, we see everything we're seeing today, everything you see in chaos and division is a result of sin. The death you see, the result of sin. It is not God's will. Of course it's not God's will. Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. God came to give life, and that more abundantly. But if life takes a child, then of course, then God will usher that child into the presence of God. But God had nothing to do with killing a baby or a teenager or a loved one of yours. He had nothing to do with that. So don't ever claim he did. No, absolutely not. That's not our God. That's not our God. And I know what people mean when they say, well, the Lord took him. Yes, he took him when they breathed their last. Yes, he was great enough and good enough and kind enough to take him into his presence if he knew him. Folks, I want you, if you've got any unforgiveness, deal with it today. If you've got any sin, repent of it today and walk in that repentance. Any time and every time you may falter, you simply say, God, forgive me. God, forgive me, and get up and go on by the grace of God and keep going under the anointing. I want you to get up out of this service today and walk to that parking lot with angels guarding your life, a wall, a hedge around your life, just like Job had. God is no respecter of persons, and you can have the same hedge that he had. Bow your heads with us, please. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to touch every life, those at the campuses, those at the home or wherever they are watching this service, those in the atrium. Holy Spirit of God, move on every heart and life. Bring healing. Bring obedience to our hearts. And Lord, there are some that are going to forgive today and they're not going to do it in their own strength. Your power, your anointing is going to come over them and they're going to confess that word of forgiveness to a transgressor that is not in their presence, but they're going to confess it by your Spirit. And though the emotions may not be there, they're going to speak it anyway. And they're going to tack on to forgiveness to that memory that may last the rest of their lives. Holy Spirit of God, help us to repent and walk in your forgiveness. God, we all want to walk with a hedge about our lives. We all want to walk with your protection. God, with your covering. In Jesus' name, while every head is bowed, Every head is bowed. There are those in this building that desperately need Christ. You need Christ. You need forgiveness. Those of you at the campuses, those of you online, there are people listening. You need to get right with God. It is so simple, so easy. I challenge you this morning.
to do so out in the atrium. There's someone sitting there. You need to turn back to God. Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, move upon this place. And, and everywhere our voice is heard right now. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, move upon lives and hearts. Let me ask quickly across all the campuses, online campus and others, you need to get right with God. You need to repent. You need to turn to Christ. You need his forgiveness. Slip your hand up high. Do it now. Let me see it. There at the campuses. Lift your hand high. Do it now. Lift it up. Yes. Others, quickly, just lift it up. You need Christ. You need forgiveness. You need to get right with God. In the risers, lift it up. You need Christ. Anyone else? Out in the atrium, at the campuses of Michigan Street and Red Bug Lake, wherever you are. And now let me ask another thing of you. You sat here hearing the Word of God, what Jesus said about your need to forgive. How many of you, you need to forgive somebody? Maybe it's even yourself, but you need desperately to forgive somebody. Lift your hand high. Do it now. Do it now. All dozens of hands probably should be going up at each place. They're at home. There are people that are at home you need desperately to forgive. Anyone else? Just acknowledge that. That's part of it. Somebody's coming into your mind right now. You need to let it go. You need to forgive. Anyone else? Anyone else? Jesus, my God. That includes those of you that need to go to somebody and ask their forgiveness. You need to go to somebody say, hey, I... I hadn't paid you back. Forgive me. I'm, I'm going to work on that. Please bear with me or make arrangements, whatever you need to do. Let's make things right with others. Stand with us, please. Everyone standing. Pastor John is going to lead us in a chorus. And when he starts this chorus, I want you, wherever you're at, I want you to move toward this altar area. I want you to move. Those of you that need to get right with God, I want you to come. Don't dare. Walk out the back doors. I pray the Spirit compel you not to go that way until you made right things with God. And so come this way. And also, those of you that need forgiveness, you need to forgive somebody. Whoever it is, or you need to go to somebody. Before you go to them, come to this altar and ask God to help you. So step out and come right now as Pastor John leads us. These altars are open. You need to come. You need to be here. Regardless of whatever it was that you raised your hand, step out and come. Do it now, Jesus. Everything I am. Jesus. Holding nothing back. I surrender it all. Everything I have. Everything I am. Holding nothing Jesus. back, God, I Jesus, my God and my Lord. What's going to hold you back? Step out and come. Make your way to this altar. Let's pray before you leave this building, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, Satan, I bind you. I command every plan, every scheme of the enemy to be cast down under our feet. In the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, 
I feel compelled to just one more time say to you, make your way to this altar. What would you do to get right with God? And so I believe part of that plan of, for God's your, your life today, by God's help, is to come to this altar. And so doing, you're humbling yourself before others and before God. Pastor John, lead us in prayer. There's still time to make your way here and pray before you walk out those doors. So let's pray. Congregation, slip your hand in this direction. Pray with us right now, if you would, please. Father, in Jesus' name, yeah. thank you so much for speaking to our hearts today. God, we respond to you with our obedience, Lord God, with our focus on you, Lord God, and your will for our lives. Lord God, we do pray that you would forgive us even as we forgive those who've trespassed against us, God. We release, Lord God, those things that, that we've held on to into your hands, Lord God. And we release also our sin, our transgression, Lord God, into your hands so that you can wipe it all away and cleanse us totally and, and fully, Lord God. We believe that your love, Lord God, is overwhelming these at these altars. It's overwhelming those that are watching on our broadcast, those that are seated uh, throughout this sanctuary, God. We receive your love even right now, and we thank you for your divine forgiveness, Lord God, and the peace that surpasses all understanding accompanying it, Lord God, by your presence. And I pray in the name of Jesus that as we leave this place, we wouldn't leave, Lord God, holding on to anything that we would have needed to have let go in your presence, but God, that we would go forth into this week with victory and assurance, Lord God, that your love is leading us along the way. We love you, we honor you, and we bless you for what you've done and what we believe for you to do as we go forth into this week. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. Love you so much. These altars are still open to anyone who'd like to come. And if you're watching online and you'd like someone to pray with you, we want you to know that you can call the number on your screen and somebody will be there to pray with and for you and your family. God bless you. And Kids Way is coming with ministry for you in just a few moments. Take care.